Hi, welcome to the Back to Biz School podcast and a warm welcome back to school. I'm your host, Brian Sia, and before we start the podcast proper, I'd like to remind that the registration deadline for Gardens by the Bay event is this Wednesday, 5pm. It's happening on the 4th of February and only $10 for students. Hope to see you there. Turning our attention back to the podcast, we have a new guest this week, James Tuckman. We speak at length about a topic dear to my heart, gaming. Topics covered are his website, which goes in-depth on gaming industry trends and analysis, the games he grew up with, gaming journalism, and why he chose this industry to really commit to. Let's dive right in. Hi, this is Brian from the Back to Biz School podcast. And today we have a very special guest, my NUS MBA classmate, James Tuckman, hailing from Canada. Hi, James. Hey, Brian. What's up? I'm good. How are you? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Just shaking off the jet lag from all the holiday travel, but other yes. than that, can't complain. Yes, we are. We are back to reality. How, how's the weather been? Like sharp weather change from Canada to Singapore. It's 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 crazy. Like I, I went back to Vancouver um, for the November December like that season, and that's kind of historically the worst time of the year. Like it's really dark and cold and rainy, and that was just, you know, that's just Vancouver. And then I came back here and it's still pretty rainy, but like much, much hotter. So I wouldn't say I'm fully adjusted to the temperature change, but yeah. I do, I definitely don't miss the snow in Canada. I don't miss the Vancouver darkness. So I've been really happy with Singapore's weather overall. Yeah, most Singaporeans will agree. Most Singaporeans go to the cold countries uh, in December, but you know, yeah. you, the grass is always greener. It's on the other side, whatever. Totally. So anyway, um, thanks for coming on the podcast. Uh, very, very happy to have you. I think you have a lot of things to offer, a lot of content to, to offer. First and foremost, you have your own website. Let's just put it out there right now, jtangman.com, right? Yeah, that's a blog I used to, I, I worked on during COVID. It was kind of a side project. It's all about Asia, video game industry, business analysis. And so that was yeah. a kind of side project I work on kind of after my day job in Vancouver in Canada. Um, okay. When I would finish work, Asia would wake up and I'd work on that. So I, I worked at it, on it for a couple of years, but that's, yeah, jtugman.com is where you can read more about some of my ramblings. <laughs> I want to I want to shout out that that website because it's super good. In terms of content, in terms of how professionally uh, presented the data is, and how you present your arguments in point form and everything, it's it's super good. It's something you would see on Forbes or, or whatever. I, I would say. <laughs> That's very flattering, really, Brian. I appreciate it. <laughs> really, really. So everyone, everyone who's listening, please check it out. So speaking of um, gaming industry, I think. Uh, when I first found out that you were into the games industry, I was very happy because I myself am very deep into the games. I work for a miniature company that has, you know, its own game system with its own rules and meta and all that. So I, I don't really have to prepare much because I really have yeah. so many questions I want to ask you. <laughs> no, I'm okay. familiar. I'm familiar with the firm you work at as well, and I, I grew up, you know, with that with those products as well. So I was like, oh hell yeah, Brian! Brian knows what's up. Before we we get into really the the meat and potatoes of the interview, what is your favorite game of all time? That's a tough. It's like that's a really tough question, Brian. I've been. I'll I'll just make it easy. I've been playing this game recently called Baldur's Gate Three, and I hope my partner isn't listening because I've just been playing way too much of this game <laughs> in yeah, the past I'm, few days before school starts. But yeah, I'm I'm, I'm busy. I can't talk on the phone right now. I need I have, yeah. I have this consulting project <laughs> to do, but this consulting project is called BG Three. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't, to, you don't have to say I'm playing a game called. I mean, BG Three has won every single accolade possible. I think. 
totally. I've, been, I've played a lot of that, but I think I think growing up, like games that were close to my 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 heart, I think were games that I played with like my high school friends or my university friends. So a lot of like a lot of Mario Kart, a lot of Super Smash Bros. stuff like that. Nothing super niche or crazy. Um, okay. I'm pretty I'm pretty flexible, I think, in the stuff I like. So those are the ones that come to mind. Okay, so I think you already preluded a bit just now, but what sparked your interest in? In your in the games industry, for you to like really cover it and do insights professionally. And the second follow up question is, and why Asia? Yeah, well, I think more broadly, I've always been really fascinated with with entertainment and technology. Like one of the very first jobs I ever got in high school was a job at a music royalty company in Canada. And in that summer, I, I learned a bit about how the music industry works, and I, and I I really loved that. And then you know, my job back in Canada was as in product management on the TV side of things. So learning how entertainment platforms are built out, how TV software is built. And I really love that intersection of like entertainment and technology. And I don't know, I think that's a really, I just really find that really fascinating. And and games as a medium uh, has been something that I've enjoyed for so long as a kid growing up. And I just, I sort of always thought, you know, one of these days I'm just going to grow out of it and, you know, get a, get a proper job or something. And then, (laughs) It never happened. <laughs> so yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah, all right, yeah. well, I'm really into this. I, I think I know a bit about it. I like entertainment. I like technology. Let's think about that. And then for your second question, you know, why Asia? It's because gaming is just so huge in Asia. And it's what sparked this idea of writing a blog. And like, let's let's learn about this a bit more, you know, thoughtfully. And it's a sector that I'm really curious about and, and want to hopefully get into after the MBA. And I think that starts with doing a lot of research on it and coming to Singapore, going to a really good business school like NUS and really, really getting your hands dirty. I think coming from the West, there's so much for me to learn and to humble myself about doing business in Asia. So I think the MBA environment really lends itself to learning in that respect. And so that's kind of the goal is like, let's learn how to do business in Asia at the best business school in Asia. And let's learn about some games along the way and have some fun. Definitely. I mean, it's games, right? This is the business of fun, I would say. Do you feel that, I don't know whether we should call your your blog game gaming journalism. I would say there is, uh, you call it ramblings, but I, I really think there's a lot of quality in there. But do, do, do you share the same sentiment as me? I feel like there's not enough j- gaming journalism out there right now. There's a few Forbes articles here and there, but not really It's enough. tough to say. I think Twitter is kind of the best form of games journalism sometimes. It's also some of the worst games journalism. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like, I, I, like the best and the worst takes are on Twitter and Reddit, but they are a great way to like kind of get a pulse on things. Um, okay. I, yeah, I mean, I would say what I wanted to do is write about stuff that wasn't time bound. Meaning if some big event was happening, I wouldn't be scrambling, stressing, trying to write some article to be first. It was just about here's a topic or a theme that I think is relevant or interesting and let's write it in a way that if it comes out today or a month from now or two months from now, it's not going to be the end of the world. So they're very macro things. It's like mergers and acquisitions in you know in the year or mm. Singapore gaming industry trends or mm. Indian telecom gaming stuff. That doesn't mm. it's not, you know, late breaking news or anything like that. <laughs> that was just to protect my own sanity. So I would say it's more, <laughs> I don't know, analysis with some maybe some journalistic elements. I don't I don't know. But that was the that was the thrust of it. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's what I mean by, like, I think I didn't really mean, when I say journalism, I don't mean the, the, the you know, fresh off the press sort of news. I'm talking about, like, just the industry analysis, industry trends and everything. I, I feel that there isn't enough. It's like, oh, okay, Microsoft did this, Activision mm-hmm. Blizzard did that. It's like, oh, okay. But nobody really talks about the synergies. Nobody really talks about the impact on the, on the industry, stuff like that. I would agree with that for sure, Brian. Yeah, there isn't a super macro perspective or, like, call it MBA perspective to things. I, I think analyses on macro trends in the games industry exist in some PowerPoint document in some office in California or New York somewhere. But like they're very internal. They're very safeguarded. They're not really for, you know, public use, let's call it. So um, I thought it was an interesting kind of niche to, to explore a bit. Mm-mm-mm. And so going back to, you know, uh, where you want to go after the MBA, actually, this was one of my later questions, but since we're at it, so ideally, where would you want to be uh, after the MBA, company-wise and country-wise, and why? I think country-wise, the answer is Singapore. I just, I've been only been at Singapore, been in Singapore for, you know, a handful of months, but I've really, really loved it. And if there's any way I can stay in this country, I'd happily take it. And I, I think, Company-wise, probably a multinational. I think a multinational that has some good experience um, in, in Asia. Um, and then role-wise, I come from a product management background and a bit of GTM. Um, so a role that has sort of strategy, maybe some product, maybe some BD in it, um, mm-hmm. and publishing, I think is where my head's at. Um, mm-hmm. And that's kind of been the backgrounds of the people I've been chatting with since being in Singapore is sort of that strategy publishing BD realm. So those are kind of the, mm-hmm. the key words I'm, I'm looking out for. I mean, I've been through your resume. Tell us more about TELUS. <laughs> Very nice yes. one, Brian. Very oh, good. Man, yeah, <laughs> dead joke, man. I can't escape the, the dead no, joke. I, never, I, I love it, dude. I've never heard that one before, funnily enough. So yeah, TELUS, TELUS, T-E-L-U-S. TELUS is like, a, it's the Singtel of Canada. It's a Canadian telecommunications mm-hmm. company. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was there for about four years doing, doing PM work and go to market and, and a few other things but um great company really nice it's a bit it's a telecom so it's a it's a bit legacy it's a bit boomer in some ways and it's a bit slow but it was a really great covid job and it really taught me a lot about you know how these mature businesses operate how PLs run and got exposure to a ton of different projects and and got to work with some pretty big things like got a lot of my time was spent working with amazon and google on products like Prime Video or Amazon Alexa and integrating that into the telecom environment so that it was a really good crash course in like vendor management, BD, product, um, and worked with some really smart people mm-hmm. and was I felt kind of a huge imposter syndrome during a lot of that time. I was like fresh out of university. I'm half the age of everyone else. I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to keep my camera off for this call. You know, like I don't want anyone to know who I am. Like growth facial hair. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So uh, it, it was it was a great time. And so that being said, I think when COVID hit, I was kind of stuck in my little apartment in Vancouver forever. And I thought, you know, there's got to be more to more to this life than just Vancouver and more to this life than just a, a regional telecom. So I wanted to look outside and international work experience has always been something that I've been really curious about. You know, growing mm-hmm. up, my my dad, when he was my age, he was working in Saudi Arabia. My brother, he's a few years older. He's been in London, England for many years. My, my mother worked in New York. So this idea of going outside of Canada has always been on my mind. And so Singapore, for many reasons, was was, you know, totally a, a great place to be so i spent a lot of time during covid um trying to get there and i'm really happy Research- to be here now researching and, and all that right yeah <laughs> all, yeah all exactly 
So 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 how how has the NBA been for you so far? Like in terms of uh, the people, the culture. What what's the biggest culture shock you had coming here from like a Canadian university to the Singaporean one? I think Canadians are very polite, and so they have a way of expressing you know, frustration in a very diplomatic way. It's kind of like, it's maybe it's similar to the Japanese or the Korean students, which is like, let's say, let's say, uh, Brian, you know, let's say you're putting, let's say you're really, you know, upsetting me. Let's say you're really pissing me off. Like the Canadian way of expressing my upsetness towards you would be like, let's say we're on a business call. I'd be like, Brian, you're putting me in a challenging position. Like that line oh, okay, is like, okay, okay. that's like, Oh, you know, that's a very Canadian way of saying, like, you know, screw you, off. You, you, you forgot to mention the sorry because that's what Canadians Yeah, yeah. Like. Sorry if I'm not understanding this clearly. <laughs> it sounds like we're in a really rough spot as a result of, you know, like, it's so it's so verbose, right? And so I think to answer your question, like, people are a bit more clear in their communication here. And they'll say on their mind and they're very direct. Uh, I think uh, Singaporeans as well. And Singaporeans speak very quickly. That's a crazy thing. I can't catch every word a Singaporean speaks, so I need to I need to improve my listening skills. Uh, but beyond that, it's been really positive. Canada is very multicultural already, so growing up, I've been around many folks mm. from China or India, um, mm-hmm. and there's many people from China and India here. So it hasn't been super disorienting, um, mm-hmm. but it's been really it's been great. I, what I've wanted out of the MBA is just to sip a beer with a classmate and pick their brain about you know, what it's, what's it like in their country? And I've had that so many times and it's been the best. So I just only hope that 2024 has more, more opportunities like that. That's exactly what I'm doing now. Yeah, exactly. Stuff like this, right? Yeah. I love it. I I love it. I just love picking their brain, not just, you know, the country, obviously the most interesting one is the country, but about the industry Mm -hmm. and all that. So like going back to tell us, right, you were actually, uh, I think, I mean, cable cutting or cord cutting, they call it, was like maybe in the early 2010s. So mm. I think most of, I think by the time you 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 joined, they really sort of embraced the whole digital aspect of TV, right? So exactly. It, it wasn't that it wasn't that crazy. It wasn't that uh, huge for you. But what do you think was the biggest the biggest impact you had at work or the biggest project that you're that you can say you're proud of at Telus? Hmm. I would say there's a few. I think one of them was. Um, to your, let's just expand on cable cutting, for example. Like cable cutting has been around for a, for a long time, and I think it's a step in the right direction. Probably like this emphasis on OTT services, over the top services like Netflix or Prime Video. And so telecoms around the world are trying to find ways to keep their cable subscriber base active and staying with the company. And I think one of the great ways that Telus did this was tweaking their packaging to incorporate these OTT solutions. So the way it works in Canada, at least, I don't know about Singapore at all, but in Canada, when you sign up for a cable package, if you were to do that, you would say like, okay, I want this package of channels and this package of channels, and they're kind of complex and it's kind of messy. And it's like, oh, what do I, you know what I do? And what Telus thought was a really good strategy. And I think it is, uh, you know, it continues to be one is what if instead of picking, you know, a handful of channels, you can pick, a Spotify subscription, a Disney Plus subscription, an Amazon Prime subscription. They don't even have to be video or TV related. They're just subscriptions. And if you bundle mm-hmm. them all together, it's it's discounted in some clever way and it's consolidated uh-huh. and it's easy to manage. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of re 
it was all about re-understanding or recalibrating its like uh, its role as a as a service aggregator and moving beyond just like linear cable TV and saying people have subscriptions they're really complex what is what if there's a way to consolidate that make that easier and strike a ton of business development deals with Amazon Google Spotify Headspace whatever it is mm-hmm. to make that easier and provide some savings and so. A project that I worked on was Amazon Prime for that. So that was like a really big thing. That was the first job, first project I got into when I joined Telus. And again, I was super young and I was like, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what I'm doing here. And I've got this head of BD, Amazon, North America person. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? Um, but it was all about integrating the Amazon Prime solution into our billing and packaging system, making sure it works on our TV platform and that that all worked smoothly. And so that took about eight, nine months. I inherited it from someone else, but that was a really, really great project and very, very proud of it. And it's, it's done well. So I think that was like a mini, kind of like a mini MBA in its own way. So very happy. Yeah. Moving away from Telus and into the real meat and potatoes of, of, of this uh, interview, I would love to talk about the gaming industry. Uh, so many questions as I've already <laughs> uh, to- told you. Um, first question. <clears throat> Uh, let's talk about the recent, the biggest news, gaming news in the past month, I would say, is uh, Microsoft's $69 billion acquisition of Activision Blizzard. And before that, Activision merging with Blizzard, I think, was it 20? I, I, I had the date, but it was like near 2010 in the <clears throat> area, I think for like $19 billion. So do you think that these acquisitions are good for the gaming industry as a whole? Because initially, the antitrust bodies were... A lot of them were blocking it. And I think the final step was obviously Europe. Europe, Europe has the most uh, say when it comes to antitrust and all that. So, yeah, what do you think <clears> about that? I, I think consolidation, for the sake of consolidation in any industry, is generally rough. Like monopolies, just for monopoly's sake, generally have just bad effects on that. And then we learned that in the NBA pretty early on. I mm. would say the antitrust reasons surrounding the uh, Microsoft Activision Blizzard merger were pretty stupid quite frankly they were they were the cma was really hung up the the competitive market authority in the uk mm. was really hung up on cloud gaming and monopolizing monopolizing the cloud gaming market which is such a nascent sector like cloud gaming yeah. still has a long way to yeah. go yeah. um it's cool and exciting but it's by no means super mainstream and yeah. they were really upset about oh cloud gaming and xbox game pass and it could be so easily refuted with data, and that's what people did. So people were kind of confused as to why this was well, this was an issue. I think this particular merger is is not a bad thing. I think Activision Blizzard, honestly, as a company, needed saving from a leadership perspective because so many internal employees of, of Activision Blizzard were upset with the company culture. So many – everyone hates Bobby Kotick, which is the former yes. CEO, and yep. everyone was – you know singing hallelujah when he left like a few yeah, weeks ago on, on, like on 30th december immediately yeah. <laughs> i mean i mean he, he walked away you know a few billion dollars richer i'm sure but like people were like thank christ he's he's out of here so i i think i'm happy that the employees of activision blizzard get some better leadership in the form of phil spencer and the microsoft team who've done really really well mm. um and i think the reasons for the acquisition were maybe a bit fuzzy i i, I think we can probably expect to see more M&A activity in, in 2024 if interest rates fall. I think that's probably the biggest catalyst for that is interest rates. But 2023 was relatively quiet acquisition-wise, except for this Microsoft Blizzard one. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's a great story. I, I think, I mean, just to, just to add one last thing to that is that what I think people 
really didn't understand about that acquisition was what Microsoft was buying. So if you looked at any of the articles of that acquisition, they were all around Call of Duty this, Call of Duty that. And understandably uh-huh. so. Call of, yeah, maybe, well, maybe a bit of Warcraft, but Warcraft yeah. comprises very, very little in terms of money uh, in terms of financial performance mm. for for activision and call of duty is really big especially on mobile especially in china but mm. really where the cash flows that you're buying come from is in the king business and king, candy exactly. crush yeah. exactly like this is this sort of sleeping mobile gaming giant that exists on the income statement and balance sheet of this company that doesn't really make for great headlines but that mm. is really what phil spencer and the gang at xbox that's what they're buying and so mm. I could you could debate whether seventy billion is is overpriced. It might be a bit overpriced, but I think that's one critical ingredient is to is to understand about this acquisition is that the mobile division is like maybe about forty percent of the revenues of that company. It's it's mm. crazy, and that doesn't get any press just because it's just not that. Uh, sexy. I don't know, it's not, not that sexy, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. 